Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Strategies. Hello, and thank you for tuning into number 27. In the next 10 minutes, I will be touching on market action in September, controversies facing the Federal Reserve, and why we chose spendflation over stagflation as the title of this episode. Here we go. September was markedly different than most of the year. Equity indices were down with the S&P losing close to 5%. Bond indices were also down, at least on the investment grade side, while the 10-year treasury moved up about 25 basis points, ending the quarter at a little over 1.5% on a yield standpoint. The root cause, in my opinion, were investors trying to digest the effect of the supply constraints that have been impacted, impacted by the pandemic. The world is getting a rude introduction to how delicate the supply chain really was. And most surveys going into September had supply chain concerns normalizing in the first half of 22. Now expectations are that normalization will not occur until the second half of 22. So what does that do? One, it affects inflation expectations. Because right now, if you have supply, you're pushing through the increased pricing. Two, economic growth will not be optimized for a longer period. And three, it extends the notion of, quote, this transitory inflation, which puts pressure or potential pressure on longer-term interest rates. And when we look through to GDP Now, which is a website by the Atlanta Fed, GDP forecasts entering Q3 was 6%. And around September 1st, third quarter GDP was expected to be 5%. Well, as of October 5th, that number had dropped to 1.3%. That's substantially lower. And that's a significant adjustment during the third quarter. I do think the Delta variant is the primary reason, but make no mistake, supply constraints are playing a major role. Uh, Manufacturers just aren't able to push through as many units as they like. And then, as alluded to, leading to suboptimal growth coupled with price increases. Let's jump over to the Fed, which has had a little bit of controversy in September. Dallas Fed President Kaplan and Boston Fed President Rosengren both stepped down amid controversy. Honestly, the optics aren't good. When And then you factor in that Senator Liz Warren has been attacking Powell. I believe she called him, quote, a dangerous man. You know, I think that's a lot of headline and really being used for leverage purposes on the infrastructure bill. The reality is I don't I just don't think the administration has really turned their attention yet to Powell and his nomination. I mean, there's certainly aspects from the geopolitical elements in the Middle East, coupled with the two large bills before Congress that are, in my opinion, top of the agenda. So Powell's nomination has been kicked to the back burner to some extent. Uh, Wall Street initially had its chances of renomination in the 90% range. Now it's down to about 70%. The markets are expecting Powell to be renominated. It's just not as certain as it was a month ago. But there has been some recent support by a couple of progressives, which will obviously help Powell's chances. I am still in the camp that he is renominated. As for tapering, I don't think the resignation of the two Fed presidents will affect that. The bar on tapering is pretty low. And I believe tapering will probably start in November or at least be announced 
in November as to when it will begin. As relates to rate hikes, expectations are still the first rate hike to occur in, in the first part of 23. I believe it's early 23, but to be honest, it's that's 15 months from now, which, which we all know can be an eternity. So we'll, we'll see how that adjusts over the next year. Now let's pivot to stagflation. In a stagflation environment, you typically have inflation with minimal growth. And while it seems as though we may have had that scenario in the third quarter, structurally, I don't think that's the situation we're in. I think we're in a situation where you have both inflation and real growth. So nominal growth will be elevated. So we are, we're using the term, quote, spendflation to describe that. The breakdown on how much of nominal growth is real growth will be up for debate. So to anchor this spendflation, it's really been the central bank balance sheets. I mean, that's, that's the mechanism that has enabled both the governments and consumers to push through this spending. When we look through to sectors, and this is according to Bank of America, airline spending was down about 18% in August relative to July. That to me was very much Delta variant related. In September, airline spending has rebounded a little bit, up 5% compared to August, but lodging was still down in August and September. So that's plateaued a little bit. Again, that is Delta related in my opinion. However, when you take a step back and look at sectors since September 2019, merchandise spending is up 25%, clothing up 25%, gas up 20, grocery up 10. Pretty healthy, pretty healthy sectors. And then below that, you look through to things like daycare. Daycare centers in September were up 52% above last year's level and now down only about 10% relative to two years ago. What's that tell you? It tells you people are getting back to work. Let's dive into that a little bit. You know, in, in, it wasn't that long ago that the extended unemployment insurance benefits expire, at least the federal unemployment insurance benefits. So when you, they look through, when surveys look through to households that received the uh, extended unemployment checks, their spending actually dropped off significantly once those benefits expired. Meanwhile, households that did not receive the unemployment benefits, they're still spending you know, close to 25% more than they were two years ago, which is consistent with the numbers we're seeing in sectors. So you, you extrapolate that, and I think it's fair to conclude that the unemployment benefits expired on a federal level. More folks are getting back to work, which is increasing the traffic of daycare centers and beginning to loosen up the labor force a little bit. So I would expect that momentum to continue into the holidays. All right, let's touch on the fixed income markets. Same position that I've been in for past eight or nine months. Within fixed income, inflation is still very uncertain, and that really hasn't provided any further clarity over the past six to eight months. Meanwhile, the growth story is still sound, especially on the corporate front. So again, tremendous amount of uncertainty with inflation with a strong corporate story. So I wanna reiterate that that position is to be defensive, in my opinion, against inflation. So that takes you A, to the short end of the curve and into credit. And where we sit today, the total return of most fixed income instruments are going to be driven by the coupon as price appreciation is pretty limited at this point. But again, remain defensive against inflation. That takes you into shorter duration credit, either on the investment grade side or the below investment grade side, which 
is in the bank loan front. And to wrap it up, just want to share with you a personal reflection. It really has to do with the supply chain element. I think we're we're all in a situation where supply chains are strained, and we're seeing that in delivery of many goods. So we're also entering the fourth quarter where many people do their holiday shopping. I think if you're not if you're not going to do your holiday shopping until November, you might be in for some very unpleasant surprises. So one way to navigate that perhaps is to focus on experiences and not materials. And this upcoming holiday season has the potential to be very chaotic and stressful. So maybe we can alleviate that by really focusing on meaningful experiences with friends and families. And I think that would be a great holiday gift. Thank you and stay tuned. The S&P 500 index is a market capitalization weighted index of 500 widely held stocks often used as a proxy for the U.S. stock market. Investment grade refers to the quality of a company's credit. To be considered an investment grade issue, the company must be rated at triple B or higher by Standard and Poor's or Moody's. One basis point equals 0.01%. A short duration strategy is one where a fixed income or bond investor is focused on buying bonds with a small duration. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of the principal amount invested. The views in this commentary are as of October 13th, 2021, and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice and endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Investors should consider a fund's investment goal, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. The prospectus and or the summary prospectus contains this and other information and should be read carefully before investing. The prospectus can be obtained by visiting pacificfunds.com. Holdings are subject to change at any time. Please visit pacificfunds.com for a current list of fund holdings. Sector names in this commentary are provided by the fund's portfolio managers and could be different if provided by a third party. Pacific Funds are distributed by Pacific Select Distributors, LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC, a subsidiary of Pacific Life Insurance Company, Newport Beach, California, and are available through licensed third parties. Pacific Funds refers to Pacific Funds Series Trust. 